Hey, 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 what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you guys are doing well. This is going to be a little bit of a different podcast today. I'm going to play a quick little skit from CNBC. The lady is talking about how she's going to play SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies, what her strategy is, how she's trying to make money off them, and then we're going to talk about the pros and cons and whether I ultimately agree or disagree. So take a listen. After a red-hot start to the year, the SPAC market has slowed down in a big way, with just about $20 billion in deals announced since April. That compares to almost $100 billion in just the first three months of the year. And some high-profile names have taken a hit recently. Just take a look at the performance of stocks like Lucid Motors, Beachbody, Virgin Galactic in the last month. But while the market for SPACs might be slowing, there may still be a way to profit from the space. So, Karen, what is your trade? So the trade is, and this is fast money, but this is slow, free money, and potentially you're getting paid to take a look at whatever deals some of these sponsors come up with. So the SPACs are worth 10 bucks. If you don't like the deal that they come up with, you can sort of put your stock back to the company and get the 10 bucks. So there's a number of SPACs with high quality sponsors, high profile sponsors, like Michael Klein of Churchill. So CBII is one, Gary Cohn, and Cliff Robbins have another one, and uh, Chamath has a number out there. So I've been buying them at a discount to 10, and the thought is I will sit on them. They have to find a deal by two years after the SPAC comes public. So Michael Klein has 18 months left on CVII, for example. Gary Cohn has only one year left on CRHC to come up with the deal. So I know that I'm going to get at least 10 back, so that's nice, but I get a look at whatever deal they come up with. And they're really incented to come up with a deal. They make a lot of money if they come up with a deal. So I don't know if the market will turn or not, but I know that I'll have a chance to look at whatever deal they get. It may trade up on the announcement of the deal, and I have until the actual merger closes to decide what to do. If they pick a, if they get a company and the market loves it and it trades up, I don't need to wait till the end. I can sell it higher. So I think it's a, you're getting paid an option to take a look at what they have. I think it's, you know, it's just, just forced selling. Too many levered holders of SPAC stocks. And so, you know, I'll sit around and wait and get paid to do it. All right, guys. So that's the clip right there. Um, let's go ahead and talk about my thoughts on exactly what her strategy is. So the, the ticker she's mentioning, look, the, the sponsors are good. They have some, you know, quality names behind them that they've done in previous deals. But they're trading at $9.80, $9.90, okay? And she's talking about redeeming them at 10 calling it free money. Now, I get what she's saying here. Um, but I think she's misunderstanding how SPACs are right now and how they're probably going to continue to be for the foreseeable future. So, you know, we have seen, and I am very familiar with the SPAC market. I am extremely familiar and I think she is playing it wrong. Let me just put that out there. You guys know I'm very actionable and very straightforward with my podcast. I think she's playing it wrong. I think she has the wrong idea. Let me tell you guys why. First and foremost, she could literally be waiting the entire time. It's not It's not um, new either for SPACs to just close it up and say, look, we couldn't find a target. That does happen. Okay, so she literally could wait two years, okay, and not get the deal she wants at all. And just wasted her time for what 2% not even a, you know not even so it's about the time exactly she's talking about slow free money yes um but that's one issue the deal might not happen number 2 
they're already trading at a discount to their net asset value of ten dollars. Okay, um, they could go lower. Theoretically, they could just they could keep going lower and lower and lower. So she's considering like a two percent discount to be attractive. I don't. Okay, I think she's playing it wrong there. Number three, her wrong assumption is assuming that if, if the market likes the the uh, the the company that's being acquired, that it's going to trade higher. We have barely seen that happen. Since the SPAC bubble has burst, very, very rarely have you seen a deal get announced and the SPAC actually break anything above $10, $10.20. Rarely, okay? And then it trades sideways for at least a good six to, to nine months waiting for the deal to actually close. And then it leads to the fourth issue, which is on almost every single SPAC, post SPAC, when the ticker changes and it's finally the actual company, it falls. And it falls to five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks, at least eight dollars, okay? Most of the time. You got Rocket Labs, which never went down to 10 uh, pre SPAC, like as it was a SPAC. On the post SPAC, it dipped to 10 and now it, it bounced there. But you didn't buy that at a discount to NAV. You didn't. It never traded below 10, all right? That environment's over. Here's how you're supposed to play it if you ask me. You look at SPACs that have already transitioned and now they're their actual companies with their own tickers that are trading at five, six bucks. She talked about force selling. That is the one area I want to bring up here that she is dead spot on. These SPACs have been shorted to oblivion. Many of the holders have are on margin. They get you know they get the margin call. They're forced to liquidate. It is just nonstop drip 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 okay to the point where they are trading at a 50 percent 40 percent uh haircut to where they were okay and that's where i think the value lies she is over here looking and, and i don't blame her for thinking this but i just don't think she has her thumb correctly on the pulse of the spac market i have seen a multitude of deals Okay, just even recently, the last few months, last few weeks, where they announce a target and it literally doesn't move, even if it's already trading at a discount to the $10. Okay, guys, excuse me also for my cold. But I think she's going to find herself wasting a ton of time for what, 1.5%? I don't think her client's going to be very happy with that. And she's not guaranteeing that her downside is, is that limited, okay? She'll have to redeem it. She could always get her 10 bucks, sure. But, you know, is it worth the time? She's assuming that if the deal is right and the company's right, it's going to go higher. It's just right now, especially right now, that's just not the way the market is. For her clients, she should be looking at high-quality SPACs. Yes, they actually exist, okay? I'm invested in several of them, okay? That's where you need to be looking when... That forced selling takes these companies down to two times cash. And they're trading at five, six bucks. And they're high quality companies, but they are prone to that forced selling. That's what she should be looking. To really be thinking about, hey, you know, yeah, Gores might take two years, but I'll I'm willing to wait. And if it goes up, I don't see you getting more than 10% on, on while it's still a SPAC. And then it's going to transition, as almost every single one of them has, it's going to transition to its actual, you know, ticker and company 
all right? And it's going to fall. It's going to fall at least 10 to 20% from there. That's where you should be looking like, okay, hey, now I want to get in. To get in pre-spec, I mean, the, th- that's all I'm saying is the max upside she's really looking at, okay, is maybe 1% to 2%. You're really willing to wait 1% to 2% of, uh, excuse me, you're willing to wait six months to two years for 1% to 2%. What about the opportunity cost here? She's not taking that into account. She's calling it free money, but no, that's not free. That is not free. There's always a cost. And the cost here is time. And she's also just assuming a deal is going to get done. That's not a fact. She should be looking at SPACs that have already transitioned their tickers, have the cash in their balance sheet, and have still gotten murdered even though the companies are exceeding and doing extremely well. That's how I think. If you're going to play SPACs, that's how I, that's how you do it. What she's doing here, I would not be doing. And I'll, I'll comment on this because a lot of the reason uh, I'm making this podcast specifically is because I owned SoftBank's Vision Fund SPAC for a while. That wasn't because I wanted free money. I use it as a proxy for cash. And I was also using it in the case that if the NVIDIA deal with ARM doesn't go through, maybe they will take ARM public through that SPAC. So I had multiple reasons for that, okay? That was not for a return. That was a proxy for cash, all right? I was already 14%, 15% cash. I didn't like it that high. I was like, listen, let me just put it here for a few months. If the deal falls through with NVIDIA, and it still might, okay? But I just looking less likely now then maybe SoftBank will announce that that SoftBank Vision Fund SPAC is going to get ARM. And I can, you know, something like that, that will probably lead to an increased price in SPAC. But it's so rare. It's got to be a big, familiar behemoth of a name. And a lot of these SPACs have already taken a lot of those companies public. Okay, there's been hundreds. And some of the best ones have already gone through. And then you look at Ackman, okay, with the SPAC he tried taking through, and it just like got such negative attention. Okay, it got such negative press. The people didn't want it. They were begging and praying for something like Stripe, okay, or Plaid, and they didn't get it. They got Universal Music Group, or I believe it was, yeah. And it just, that's not what they were looking for. They were, you know, Ackman had them all hyped up for hopefully a humongous tech giant. And those are like the few out there that are still out there, but. There are hundreds of SPACs out there. You're hoping and praying it's those. I got news for you. These companies are looking at the SPAC performances and they might be saying, no, 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 no. Let's change our minds here. We're going to go the IPO route, okay? Rivian is a big example of that too. Rivian is not looking at a SPAC. They're looking at an IPO. So I just think this lady is kind of got her, she's got the right idea. She's got the timing way off. Because I know like back in last November, we made a ton. Me and the Cube subscribers have made a ton buying pre-announced SPACs. Then the deal gets announced and it's up 100% pre-market. Those days are over. They're just done. It was fun while it lasted. Now the money to be made in SPACs is post-merger at that 5 to $6 level. That is the new strategy of what she's doing now. She's uh, you know, a dollar short and a day late. All right, this The new way to make money on SPACs is when they dump 50% for no reason at all because they're just so out of taste and out of flavor right now, that's where the money to be made. 
what she is doing would have been perfect last November, which is what we were doing. So that is what I wanted to leave you guys with. I'm going to do a lot more of these because there are such controversial people and topics that CNBC brings on, and I have so much to say about it. So I'm going to be doing these like little excerpts and then putting my two cents in. You guys let me know if you like them. I right now, being this, this being the first one, I enjoyed it greatly. You guys let me know if you did too. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in.